garbage time! <laughs> I, w I need you to know that you actually cut out a little bit for me there when you did that, so you must suspect your microphone pretty good. <laughs> oh, it is up there! It's high as a kite! <laughs> but are you right now? No, unfortunately. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff to get through. I don't have time for this bit. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I am Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And welcome to Under the Bridge. Welcome indeed. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. There's technically three movies to talk about in various forms. There's comic news, because New York Comic Con happened. There's gaming news, most of which is sad. There's actor news. <laughs> yeah. There's strike news. There's all kinds of stuff. DC, Marvel, you name it. Oh, man. We're gonna get... Let's... Yeah, I didn't even pull up all the stuff. Oh, my God. So, uh, first thing is first. We're gonna start with something sad. Alrighty. Let's start with something sad. That's that Keith Giffen is... Giffen? Giffen, I assume. Passed mm -hmm. away October 9th, 2023. He is a prolific comic artist and writer. Did a lot of work on some very notable Justice League runs, including the Justice League International series. That was one of the ones that had Blue Beetle and Booster Gold and Guy Gardner in it. Okay. He's also the co-creator of, among other characters... Lobo, Rocket Raccoon, and Jaime Reyes. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, tremendous loss. Yeah, very big loss to the detriment of the comic book world. Yep. His final Facebook post, though, is amazing. <laughs> what was it? I told him I was sick. Anything not to go to New York Comic Con. Thanks. Damn. <laughs> 1952 to 2023. Blah. Oh. What a legend. That's... that's something. <laughs> you will be missed, sir, and thank you for your contributions. <laughs> I've got one more little bit of sad news. This one's... uh, n nobody's dead. So okay. it's, it's less sad, but Michael Caine has announced that he plans to retire from acting. Mm. Of course, he, he is also a prolific talent. Very. His works include Alfred in the Dark Knight trilogy... I forget the guy's name, but the main guy in the original Italian job. Okay. And also, I think, personally, one of the definitive, possibly ultimate portrayals of Ebenezer Scrooge in film, that being, of course, his knockout performance in The Muppet Christmas Carol, which sounds like a joke, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> no, that it's is, not. That it's... is not a joke. He's genuinely great in it. And I don't mean the fact, I, I don't mean Muppet Christmas Carol being a joke because, God, that movie is actually old now and some kids today might not know that. I mean the fact that it's one of the standout performances of Ebenezer Scrooge in the medium of film. Phenomenal. Mm. Very good. Man plays it like dead serious alongside <laughs> the Muppets. <laughs> what an absolute G. Indeed. Who's the main guy in the Italian job? Now I have to figure this out. Uh... I feel like I should know Charlie that Croker, metaphor. that's it. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I feel like I should know that. I, I like that movie. I just, you know, I haven't seen it in a minute, and I kind of forgot the names. Because after a while, you just get caught up in watching guys drive cars around, and... <laughs> Fair. That's a whole thing. We got gaming news. Oh, boy. Yeah, you brought some of it, right? Yes, I did. So the two main things that I feel like are worth talking about, the first one being just to kind of rip the band-aid off of the wound the activision microsoft deal has officially closed outside of some legality things microsoft at this point officially owns activision so the... <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Capitalism. Ugh, what a grim <laughs> specter looming over us all. Yeah, so, on Forbes, article talking about the buyout, the key things are, the main thing that was holding up the buyout from, like, being finalized was the UK CMA, like, taking longer to fully authorize it. Um, reportedly, the CMA did give the go-ahead for that deal, and that's what was the main roadblock. So, at this point, Microsoft has finalized the $69 billion purchase of Activision nice. Blizzard. It's... <laughs> I'm glad you appreciate that. Just say now, say nice sixty nine billion times, um, no, or one billion times, I guess, depending on how you want to make the math work. There, if I get a dollar per time I say it, then sure. You know what? I'm with you there. We can split the costs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say nice sixty nine billion dollars if somebody will pay me one dollar per nice. Right. Right. But yeah, so they now own, amongst other things, Call of Duty, Warcraft, Crash Bandicoot, Tony Hawk, Diablo, Guitar Hero. Spyro. Yeah, Spyro. Just a lot of shit they they own. I mean, and they already owned a lot of shit. I want to say because of this deal, Microsoft is now squarely, like, I want to say in terms of video games, the third largest video game company on the planet, only beat out by, I believe, Sony and Tessinet from China. Hmm. You so, mean Tencent? Tencent, thank you. Tencent. I, for whatever reason, because I didn't bother to look them up because I don't, I'm not in their ecosystem. I, <laughs> I forgot the spelling. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Tencent, aka what they pay their employees hourly. Hey there. <laughs> <laughs> ah, they're coming for you. Yeah, of course. The big holdup for it all was what was going to happen with Call of Duty. Because all of it was Sony wanting to make sure they got their piece of the pie. I feel like this was as good as done when it was first announced and when it started gaining traction. When they went to court and all that, I was just like, okay, yeah, no, if they're putting all this in it, then knowing how much of a juggernaut Microsoft is, this is probably unfortunately going to go through. So it was just a matter of time. For me, what's going to be very interesting and very worrying is how this all transpires more so on the consumer side of thing. Like, what's going to happen with these IPs and all that? Microsoft has already said, because the big thing was Call of Duty, they have already said that Call of Duty is not going to be locked just to Xbox. It is going to still be multi-platform. For now. For now. The for now is what kind of has my attention, as well as all the other various IPs, because, especially since Microsoft, unfortunately does have a habit of buying up major studios, but not doing a lot with most of them. So, we'll see what happens there. My cynicism alarm is going like, run, 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 right now. But it's just like, ah, we're not dead just yet. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to this. Mm, fair. Anyone who's like a genuinely afraid, that is a fair reaction. But look, if it gets me Spyro <laughs> back in some way, shape, or form, then... I'm not going to say I'll accept it, but you'll get some points. Begrudging, not acceptance, but begrudging ceasefire. <laughs> you can buy me with a wink and some cheap Spyro <laughs> games? Well, you can. <laughs> mm. That'll be even funnier later. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, it's, it's definitely going to be fascinating to see what the future is going to be for Microsoft and Activision and all that. If nothing else kind of hope not so much for the executives but more so for the people who actually work there as normal as people 
I hope that there's fewer horror stories of like just the corporate nonsense going on in Activision. I do genuinely hope that Microsoft turns that around. I'd say less crunch, but let's face it, Microsoft probably isn't helping in that department. But hopefully, maybe a little less workplace harassment? Yeah, a little less workplace tomfoolery in general. And also a little less of that shit like, oh, you need to rate a certain percentage of people lower. What if they're not that bad? Well, pick somebody anyway. Yeah, that's that's just god-awful. Right? The other thing... (laughs) to kind of contrast all of that, is that Sony has announced the PlayStation 5 Slim. Whoop-de-fucking-do. <laughs> Slim being relative, I assume. Y- yeah. Because the PS5 is a fucking house. Yes, it is. It is. There's going to be the, a new place... Well, they're not calling it the Slim, but it's the fucking PS5 Slim. Actually, we were talking about this at work. Sony's never called any of their systems, like slims or fast or anything like that it's always been a community thing they just called it playstation insert console of choice i want to say largely because whenever they make the new console that's the one that they keep on making which is the case here the new playstation 5 slim will be coming this november it will replace the current ps5 in production holy fuck you're right yeah they've never called any of them a slim (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was kind of mind-blowing when we were talking about it. <laughs> huh. The new PlayStation 5 Slim is apparently like 30% smaller overall, if I remember correctly, which doesn't really mean a lot because the PS5 is huge. It's a goddamn mega router. Yeah, like, it's like genuinely my biggest complaint is with the PS5 is how big it is, so... Unfortunately, it's one of yeah. It's unfortunately one of those things where it's like I do genuinely want to be excited about that, but I feel like I need to actually see the console in the flesh before actually making a judgment. Because the first time I saw a PlayStation Five in the flesh, I immediately hated it. Right? It doesn't look that bad from pictures, but once you see it and how much space it takes up, it's just yeah. No, it's like it's literally half of like a of like a computer tower almost. Honestly, like, there are some computer towers that are probably smaller. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Or at least comparable. Mm. Maybe not particularly powerful ones, but... Right, true. So, yeah, the new PS PlayStation 5 Slim is going to be 30% smaller, in, or, like, take up 30% less volume, and will weigh 18 to 20... 18 and 24% less. I'm assuming that's 18% less than the previous disc-based one, and 24% less than the digital one all consoles are going to have an actual one terabyte memory so no more of this 825 gigabyte nonsense oh good you could hold a whole two games yeah for real (laughs) yeah yeah pretty much the big party piece i guess what would i want to put on other than spider-man 2 (laughs) (laughs) sorry continue apparently early reviews of that has started to come out too if you want to look at that later but yeah, so the big party piece is that for the all digital console, that is getting a price increase. So that's going to be $450 now. The disc based one is still 500. I want to say previously the digital console was 400. So they're making the one with less in it because there's no disk drive. Yeah. You know what? Actually, let me triple check this real quick just to make sure I didn't just lie on our podcast. So, so they're making it <laughs> smaller and more expensive. Yeah. They, for having they... <laughs> less in it. Yeah, it's, yeah the, the current 
digital PS5 is three is four hundred dollars. They've gone to the if this was Top Gear in two thousand eight, there would be jokes about they've gone to the Porsche school of like pricing because with their RS models they weigh less because they have less things like AC and all that. So it's like so what so what you do is like make the car weigh less and make it cost more money. But wait, there's more. Oh no. Beca- because alongside the new PlayStation 5 system, they have also announced that there will be an optional disk drive that can be installed on the digital PlayStation 5. This disk drive is not compatible with the current digital PlayStation 5, by the way. <laughs> and that disk drive is going to cost $80. Can you chuckle fucks do anything right? <laughs> Yeah, so it's if it's a thing of like you go, I want the digital console, and then later down the line, it's like, you know what? I do actually like having my games physically and physically owning my video games. I like the corporations not being able to say at the flip of a switch, you don't actually own this thing that you paid for. Yeah, if you decide to do that, you have actually spent, assuming you start with a digital system, you have actually spent more than the cost of getting a, a phys- the physical media one. So you you said the the disk drive one is still staying at 400? 500. 500. Okay. Yes. So that okay. one is still at, at least for now it's still staying at 500. So that's only uh, like 30 bucks more than if you got the physical one to begin with, but that's still fucking absolute highway robbery. Yeah. I mean, it's neat. I don't know. I, <laughs> you know what? Honestly, the thing that I was most shocked about when I when I saw this was because I've always complained, and my coworkers definitely back me up on this, is that my biggest complaint with the system, like I said earlier, is how big it is and how much space it takes up. And I'm like, if they make it smaller, I might be interested in it. And I see this come out, and I read the blog post and all that. I'm like, wow, I'm genuinely shocked how little I care about this. <laughs> It's apparently also kind of got a weird two-tone finish thing. Like, I want to say, like, the top part is panels, whatever, are going to be, like, gloss white, and then the bottom half are matte white, which... So the PS4. Yeah, that... That was ugly as fuck! Why would you do it again? Yeah, and I feel like it also just increases the cost of production at that point, too. Why not just make it all the same, like, shade of white? Jesus. Or the same finish of white, rather. But yeah... So that is going to be rolling out this November. I want to say the disk drive, which will be sold separately. Okay, I want to say the disk drive is also launching at the same time as the rec- as the new system. Just in case you get immediate buyer's remorse. Yeah, for real. It's like, you, you have buyer's remorse? Cool, just give us an extra $80. And we'll take it away. And we'll take it away from you, kind of. This will be replacing the current PlayStation 5 system as we know it. Like... Sony has said, like, they're not, they're no longer producing the launch model. Once those are gone, that's, that's pretty much it. Huh. And, which was also my reminder that the PlayStation 5 is actually three years old at this point. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, COVID fucked a lot of shit up. Yep. So, yeah, those are the two main bits of gaming news. It was announced earlier today that Pete Hines, the um, publishing director for Bethesda... Any relation to the guy who makes ketchup? <laughs> no. Okay. It's an, his name ends with an S, not a Z. Ah. He will be retiring from from Bethesda after 24 years with the company. So long and thanks for all the fish, I guess. Yeah, no, like, he he is one of the figureheads of Bethesda alongside Todd Howard. Ah. They're basically the two most well-known members of the company. So he's retiring. I feel like there was something else that was kind of a blink and you miss it type of deal, too. Oh, someone just gave me hope. 
<laughs> oh no! That's so- something that's like will probably never happen. Just looking at the news, because there was also a little blurb about Microsoft owning Activision. Someone mentions like, so do you think there will ever be like a Forza Blur title? And I'm like, no, don't do that. Don't you dare give I thought me hope. Blur was PS3. Well, Blur was on PS3 and Xbox, but ah. it was a um, former Activision IP under oh. Bizarre Creations. Huh. It was the last game Bizarre Creations made before they shut down, and they were owned by Activision at the time. For the uninitiated, Blur is Mario Kart with real cars. It's the only real car racing game I've played that I don't hate. Yeah, it is the best racing game that nobody has ever played, and seeing that just made gave me like false hope. It's like, no, yep. don't do that. Don't, don't give, give me, me hope. hope. <laughs> all right settle down hawkeye yeah so at least that's it for that's at, at the very least it for the gaming news that i have brought up yeah i don't really feel like getting anything else because we're already okay i just realized i don't uh, if you're not following me on twitter you probably have no idea what happened last week and what happened last week is that my old laptop finally hit its final stages of not wanting to work for me after a number of <laughs> power issues of just not working when it was plugged in. I thought I finally had it, and then it turns out, no, all my audio got garbled and was cutting out and was basically unrecoverable. So, since we didn't have time to re-record, I threw my hands up and said, Fuck it! I'm replacing this fucking piece of garbage! So I did, and I'm quite happy with the new one. Your old laptop looked at what was going on with SAG after a WAG and the UAW. was like, you know what? That sounds like a good idea. I'm on strike, too. <laughs> All right, well, here's well, the replacement. Yeah, for real. <laughs> my, my new laptop is a scab. Mm. <laughs> uh, Comic-Con happened. Oh, what happened at Comic-Con? Um, Some stuff. I'm going to focus on the comic news at, at this okay. particular point. I only got a little bit of DC news. Which is that DC is bringing back its Elseworlds imprint. I don't understand the point. <laughs> what is Elseworlds, dare I ask? Well, Elseworlds is literally just an imprint that they were using for stuff that's not in the main universe. But they were already doing that anyway. So basically, a comic series just solely focused on the little side stories that aren't enough to like have their own comic line. No, they have their own comic line. It's just, like, things that wouldn't work in the main continuity. Mm. So, you know, stuff like Batman Vampire. Mm, okay. I don't know if that was actually an Elseworlds title. I'm not sure what the distinction is between Elseworlds and just regular side stories. It's even weirder because, like, they're like, oh, we're bringing it back. At least some of these are continuations of relatively new stories anyway, so I really don't get the purpose. And why are so many of these things fucking Batman? I know why. <laughs> money, 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 money. Yeah, we're getting a 12-issue sequel to Gotham by Gaslight called Gotham by Gaslight The Kryptonian Age. So so it's Gotham with an, with an abusive ex? Uh... <laughs> Sorry. So Batman's assembling the Justice League for the first time, and our heroes learn more about the secret history between Earth and Krypton. Okay. Okay. Getting a six-issue Batman the Barbarian. Okay. okay. Reimagines the Cape Crusader as a wandering barbarian in a medieval version of the DCU. <laughs> Dark Knights of Steel all winter. The spinoff to... Tom Taylor's medieval fantasy series Dark Knights of Steel, which will focus on Deathstroke. It's inspired by Norse myths, and it has Deathstroke wandering a frozen wasteland and reluctantly becoming a protector of the innocent instead of a remorseless mercenary. Fuck off with this Deathstroke whitewashing! What the fuck? The man (laughs) is a fucking child murderer and... If Fabophile? 
Is that how you pronounce it? What's the word? The dude had a relationship with Tara when she was underage, alright? The okay, man... Yeah. Fuck. He's not good. The man is the man not is... a good man. Are they trying to give him, like, the whole anti-hero spin, at least? Yes! Or are they trying to... They've been doing oh, that for years, weird. and it's infuriating. Deathstroke is awful. He's yeah. singularly... Voluntarily awful. <laughs> and I like him that way. Yeah. God damn it. Oh, hey, one that's not Batman-related at all! Okay. Green Lantern Dark. <laughs> I feel like that's a contradictory title. <laughs> in an alternate universe where evil has ravaged a sunless earth, a new Green Lantern has emerged as the only remaining hero, but she goes missing just as humanity needs her most. Okay, so oh my God. is this about Green Lantern or not? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I've got it. Oh, it's Green Lantern. And oh, she's dead. gone. <laughs> and she's fucking dead. <laughs> uh. Back to our like little hidey hole with no sun. We're back to Armored Core 3. <laughs> There's Batman Nightfire. Okay. Batman harbors a secret so important he would rather allow Gotham to burn down let the truth be known. DC has hinted that the series what? also deals with Batman traveling to the past to rewrite his present. Oh, this can only end well. No, I mean, just the first part of that. It, that just sounds like the antithesis of Batman. Like, there's no way Batman well, has some demon yeah, that's, that's so dark that will just, like... What? That's why it's in Elseworlds. Okay, fair. That's just still infuriating to a certain degree, I guess. Oh, just wait till you hear this next one. Okay. DC versus Vampires, World War V. Fuck off. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, also, um, I'm not gonna lie, when I saw that, I saw, I read it as World War V, and I was like, you skipped a couple. <laughs> it's like, what happened to the other two? <laughs> and, then I and then I realized, oh, it's it's not five, it's V. It's, vampi it's Vampire. Oh, oh, that's... That's that's good fun. Yeah, that's 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 well is good fun really how we want to describe it? <laughs> no. Anyways. <laughs> Not important. Mm. <laughs> anyway, that's the main DC thing I've got. Is that to oh. bring it back this imprint, which okay, cool, I guess. Mm, fair. It's the thing you were already doing with a new coat of paint. Actually it's an old <laughs> coat of paint, but it, it's it's like new coke at this point. It's the Nissan GTR. <laughs> yeah, of, we're bringing back new lines. coke, everybody. <laughs> Uh, man, that was a thing, wasn't it? Yeah, now bring back Crystal Pepsi, you cowards. Mm. Anyways, let's go to Marvel. Alright, what does Marvel have for us? Well, I got a couple of bigger things. They've announced that the Fall of X is, well, the Fall of X is part of the end of the Krakoan Age, which will uh officially end in 2024. So the X-Men are getting their shit kicked in. Oh, fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry Duggan is going to be writing Fall of the House of X, which is going to involve Cyclops being on trial facing a death penalty. For? I don't know. Because people are racist and don't like him. Fair. Yeah. Well, no, not fair. The complete opposite of fair. <laughs> it's a yes! of There's nothing one. fair about that at all! <laughs> oh, racism, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, uh, <laughs> racism, like, I dig it. <laughs> and Karen Gillan... Will be uh, delivering Rise of the Power of X, which is going to be set ten years in the future, with uh, the X Men trying to stop Nimrod and Omega Sentinel from putting their master plan into action. Because in a okay. in a surprisingly poignant thing, considering this started like five years ago, it turns out the ultimate threat to both man and mutant is AI. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it, Gareth uh, Edwards. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Take that, the creator. Hmm. Oh, and also, 
Al Ewing is going to be writing a spin-off miniseries tie-in, Resurrection of Magneto, which, if this leads to an Al Ewing immortal Magneto, I'm about it. Okay. I am so about it. I'm here for it. I, I don't know what that means, but it sounds cool. He was only dead for, like, what was it, a year and a half or something? Two years? But, hey, mm. you know, it's it's longer than Miss Marvel. <laughs> what was that, a Fair. whole what was that, a whole six weeks? If that. Six weeks, maybe? Six weeks. Didn't they just, like, reverse that just because of how pissed off people were? Oh, no, I think they were already planning on doing that. They might have bumped it mm. up because of how pissed off people were, but... Fair enough. Hey, speaking of Spider-Man, uh, this is this wasn't really on the docket. <laughs> this wasn't really on the docket, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Apparently, when they were talking about Spider-Man, I don't remember if he had his own panel or whatever, but when Spider-Man editorial got up, uh, the reception was frosty. Really? Yeah, Spidey and MJ's relationship got brought up at least twice, and it was ignored the first time. Hmm. <laughs> People kept asking for stuff that editorial has no interest in doing at all. Just... People are kind of sick of their shit, which, good. 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 I can't wait. I actually might have to get into recollecting single issues for this next thing I'm going to announce, because we now know what's going to be kicking off the new Ultimate Universe in 2024. Like, the, the new <sighs> ongoing titles. Yes, it's your favorite thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> what is going to be kicking it off? Well, in, uh... Blah, 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 blah. In, okay, uh, is that a new superhero? <laughs> no. On January 10th, we are getting Ultimate Spider-Man number one. Uh, Hickman's okay. going to be writing that one. And he said, it's a bit of a Peter B. Parker situation, implying that this is going to be an older Spider-Man. Okay. Which, I hope when he says Peter B. Parker, he means married with a kid. Mm. Because yeah. we, we already know from ultimate from the Ultimate Evasion miniseries that Peter didn't get bit by the spider when he was a teenager, so it might be that now he gets bit and now he has to juggle it all and be an adult. Which I I will there's already variant covers and I hate to do it, but like if it if it gives the middle finger to editorial and go, fuck you, I want married Spider Man, I will buy the variants. <laughs> I will buy three different covers of the same fucking comic. I will happily support a, a story where Peter Parker isn't a miserable sack. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a sad sack, just a sack. Yeah. <laughs> a miserable egg sack. Mm. <laughs> uh, we're also getting Ultimate X-Men by Peach Momoko. I am not overly familiar with her work, but every time I hear her name mentioned, it is generally positive. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we only know one member of the Ultimate X-Men team so far, and it's Armor. Hmm, okay. Yeah, it's it, it's listed, In Japan, when a young student named Hisako Ichiki develops armor power, she discovers she's a mutant, and she's not the only one. Meet a new generation of mutants filled with original and familiar X-Men characters. Together, they'll learn what it means to be mutant in the Ultimate Universe as they explore their emerging powers and the startling ways they connect to folklore, legend, and magic. Oh, are we getting mutants as cryptids? Is Wolverine Bigfoot... <laughs> has wolverine canonically been bigfoot no okay he's hairy enough though yeah he is yeah he isn't indeed do you think he uses product no yeah, yeah he, all kinds of product <laughs> more product than you ever damn seen but he pretends he doesn't mm. that's the part that i don't like about wolverine you know he's the kind of guy who uses product and pretends he is just no nah, i just rolled out of bed like this man fuck off logan <laughs> think you're better than me Ugh. and this third one i'm a little surprised by it is ultimate black panther 
Okay. In the wake of Ultimate Invasion, Khonshu and Ra, the force known together as Moon Knight, are seeking to expand their brutal control of the continent of Africa. In response, the lone bulwark against them, the isolated nation of Wakanda, will send forth its champion, its king, the Black Panther. Okay, is this like Ultimate T'Challa, or do we not know for sure just we yet? We do not know yet. Okay. Pretty sick suit design, though. Hmm. Yeah, you know what, I'm gonna post this one real quick to you, because, uh, this is good shit. That's dope. I like it. That's pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, it's a really cool design. Yeah, so the other two, Ultimate Black Panther and Ultimate X-Men, I might wait for the trades. But Ultimate Spider-Man, I, I feel like I kind of have to get it while it's coming out, because... <sighs> mm -hmm. I like older Peter. <laughs> I want Peter Parker to be able to grow up. You've got three other Spider-Men at this point who could... Uh, two other Spider-Men, but basically... You know what? Kane counts. you got three other Spider-Men who could fill different <laughs> angles of the same thing you want from Peter. Mm-hmm. Let him move on. Why did you bring Miles over to the mainstream universe if not to have a hip young Spider-Man for the youths? Because they were probably planning on the Ultimate Universe not being brought back. I know as shit I did. <laughs> and because racism, probably. <laughs> Anyways, that's the comic news. Oh boy. I'm decently excited. Mm. And I haven't said that about comics in a bit. I was getting ready to say, it's like, I think that's the most excited you've been about comics in a hot minute. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Spider-Man fan, which makes it really hard to like Spider-Man. Uh, Why can't they make me love the things that I love? <laughs> right? Why is it so hard? <laughs> me with Gran Turismo. <laughs> uh, relatable. Mm. So we're going to go back to something from last week. Okay. Uh, this is not actively reported by one of the trades, so I was a little bit hesitant to include it, because as you know, I am no rumor monger. I am no conjurer of cheap trick. You got that, right? No, it, it cut you out when you said, I am no conjurer, and then it would just stop. <laughs> God fucking damn it! Yeah, or at least you, you cut out your audio for that bit. Well, now the joke's ruined, so I'm cutting it anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, it's fine. But, but continue. So, you know what? Because I'm not sure I'm ever going to get to it again, because that was actually kind of depressing. The joke was supposed to be me saying I am no conjurer of cheap trick, and then <laughs> uh, playing I want you to want me by the band Cheap Trick. <laughs> I think that's good. Thank you. I, I, I'm sure it would have been very funny if I was able to pull it off. Oh. Oh, well. So, this comes from the Copyright Office, the U.S. Copyright Office, essentially. Uh, Marvel mm. might have given us synopses and some release dates for projects that have been delayed. Oh, boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, these are only approximations, so these dates might not last. Okay. Agatha, House of Harkness, Coven of Chaos, Darkhold Diaries... Insert fourth title change here. <laughs> Agatha, Harkness, Witchcraft, and Wizardry? Agatha, the sequel to WandaVision. <laughs> Agatha, the secrets of Dumbledore. <laughs> Anyways, uh, September 19th, 2024 is the approximate release date, so we still got uh, a little under a month. Uh, okay. Uh, or, I'm sorry, a little under a year. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, like, oh, uh, damn, we got, a, we got a TARDIS in here? Yeah, I wish. Mm. The synopsis reads, In the first episode, we see Agatha finally break out of a spell she has been trapped in. She can't wait to go back to her old murderous ways, only to find that she is powerless. 
The only way forward for her is to embark on a perilous quest to get her powers back with the help of an unlikely friend or two. I'm a little... <laughs> confused as to why we're supposed to root for Agatha. Yeah, it's like, why do we... We want Agatha to win? Don't, I, I don't know about that, dog. <laughs> don't get me wrong, I like Catherine Hahn a lot, and she's great mm -hmm. as Agatha, but I'm not sure she's lead a series protagonist material. Not because of any problem with her acting or the character, it's just it's the fact that the character is kind of fucking awful. Yeah, the character is a, a smidge evil as fuck. She killed a dog. <laughs> she also did terrible things to Wanda, but yeah, she did kill a dog, too. Yeah, well, you know what, I consider doing terrible things to Wanda a public service, so I guess it all balances <laughs> out. You, you kill a dog, but you also made life hell for Wanda, so... Ah, uh, fuck. Well, honestly, you know, Wanda's probably a net gain. <laughs> Alright. She's always been fucking evil, is my point. Wanda has yes. always sucked in these movies. She's always Jeez. been a terrible person. God fucking damn it. That's enough of that. Hmm. Allegedly, Spider-Man freshman year, aka Spider-Man Why Are We Making This, is coming out November 2nd, 2024. <laughs> okay. And its synopsis continues to confuse the fuck out of me. Because it says, mm. Marvel Studios presents Spider-Man freshman year in which Peter Parker's life while getting ready for his high school orientation is forever changed by events that send him on a journey like none before. In the first episode, we discover that the new era of Spider-Man begins here. I thought they were still Wait. making movies. Wait. Well, is this canon with the movies? Well, th that's the fucked up part, because originally they said yes, and they implied this is like a prequel series that was going to be like the origin of Spidey in the MCU, which I was a little frustrated by because, you know, part of the appeal of introducing him in Civil War was you could skip over all that because we don't need to see it again. Right. But then they were like, oh, yeah, in this series, instead of Tony Stark, Norman Osborn shows up in Peter's apartment to, like, help him <laughs> with his Spider-Manning. And it's just like, okay, so it's not. It's just, it's just a new, it's a new time. It's a what if. It's just a big involved what if. It's a big, fat, animated what-if. Which they all have been, but... Yes. I have a theory, and I, I kind of... I don't know if I want this to be true or not, but I have a theory that when they cast that spell at the end of No Way Home that made everybody forget Peter Parker, it somehow fucked up his timeline, and mm. this is what happened in there. And this is, this is why he's not close to the Avengers anymore. Hmm. Like, maybe it's him catching up on his new memories, or maybe it's, like, him seeing them somehow. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I would say I just work here, but that's a lie. <laughs> I mean, it'd be an interesting take on it. It would be the only thing that would kind of make the existence of this worthwhile. Yeah, especially because, I, I mean, I don't know. I was already having a hard enough sell with this because I was curious, like, okay, this Spider-Man clearly didn't fight any supervillains before Homecoming. So, like, what mm. could you possibly put in a series that makes it engaging? Like, maybe he, maybe it's like a, a, a season-long tombstone thing? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess we'll find out in November next year. Right. This next one, I'm gonna have more things to say about in just a minute, and it's gonna get sad. Okay. As an approximate release date, Daredevil Born Again has been pushed back to January 2025. Oh, boy. <laughs> and according to the synopsis, longtime rivals Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk try to leave behind their darker alter egos to serve the people of New York, only to have their past catch up to them. In the first episode of the series, we are reintroduced to the world of Daredevil. 
that just defeats the purpose of the first sentence, then. I'm going to move on. I'm going to come back <laughs> to it in a second. Okay. The final listing found registered was for Ironheart, which is... You remember when this was supposed to come out, like, this fall? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so was Blade? It's yes. <laughs> well, keep dreaming. Ironheart uh. is now set to come out September 3rd, 2025. So, t- basically, as near as it's going to do difference, two years from now. Yeah, killing all momentum from debuting her in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Mm. Oh, well. You actually <laughs> made me like Ironheart. Now you're going to squander it, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Here's the synopsis. Marvel Studios presents Ironheart, in which charming teenage super genius Riri Williams returns from MIT to her hometown of Chicago in her iron suit and begins to unravel threads that bring danger and adventure right to her doorstep. The adventure begins <laughs> in episode 101 as Riri is introduced to the audience. Okay. So, I mean, I was, I'm actually a little looking forward to this one now. This sounds good. It sounds like, or at least it sounds interesting. It just sucks that it's not being released right now. Yeah. When, you know, it, you still had some momentum going. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, it's time to talk more shit about Daredevil. <laughs> because, unfortunately, after this came out, it was also announced that, unfortunately, while the strikes have been going on, Marvel executives, including Kevin Feige, reviewed the footage that had already been shot and determined that the show wasn't working. <laughs> okay. So to that end, they let go of head writers Chris Ord and Matt Corman in late September and release the directors for the remainder of the season, and are going to be doing a creative reboot, functionally. They are going to keep some scenes and episodes, but injecting other serialized elements and kind of overhauling what goes from there. So they're, like, basically redoing what sounds like the overall tone and everything of the series, then. Yeah, because apparently, according to sources from the, from the Hollywood Reporter article that announced the creative reboot, Corman and Ord crafted a legal procedural that did not resemble the Netflix version known for its action and violence. Cox That's okay! No, no, no. That's fu- Hold on. <laughs> Cox didn't even show up in costume until the fourth episode. Oh, boy. Okay, that that's probably not okay, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's episode- pretty I mean, bad. I know it's an 18-episode series, so you've got more time to play around with it, but why the fuck would I want to watch something called Daredevil Born Again, where... An actor is reprising his role, presumably with at least some of the same continuity, or at least... Because that's the implication when you bring in this actor. Until you say, the previous show isn't canon, I'm going to assume the previous show is canon, at least to an extent. Right. So, why would I want this pre-established guy to show up and then watch him not be Daredevil for four episodes? Fair. Yeah. There are more rumors floating around about other stuff that was going on, but uh, I'm not going to get into that because they're not substantiated by this article. Because you are not a monger of lies. No. I prefer <laughs> I prefer to peddle truths. <laughs> oh, also, and this one cracks me up because it's being presented like a, oh, look, we're overhauling our process. We've learned from our mistakes and not, oh, we have to do this because fucking it's part of our concessions to the writers. Marvel is, in fact, going to be hiring showrunners for their shows going forward, and they're also going to work on making pilots and script bible or show Bibles, rather. Yeah, guys, we're great. We're doing the things that other major TV productions have been doing for, like, how many decades has it been now? Now, 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 I'll I'll give them maybe a little tiny baby bit of leeway at first Mm. and say that, you know, trying to make these things like movies... Might not have been the worst idea to try out. But they kept it going. But they kept it going. Yeah, that's kind of where you lost They kept it going after Falcon and Winter Soldier, and after Miss Marvel split itself in half, 
And if it... Was Secret Invasion turning out how it turned out? That show needed a fucking pilot. Right. <laughs> that show absolutely needed a Bible to keep it on track. Y'all motherfuckers need script Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, um, on the one hand, I am glad that they are taking this seriously and are apparently planning to align Daredevil more with what we have come to expect from it. On the other hand, god fucking damn it, I have to keep fucking waiting for goddamn Daredevil to come back. What the fuck? Yeah, I can understand being annoyed at that. Uh, they better keep John Bernthal. Man, they better keep jo John Bernthal. Better keep fucking John Bernthal. Yeah, apparently, Marvel was approaching their show as much like they were approaching the movies, which was, we'll fix it in post. Which is not how that works. Not, not with TV, it ain't! TV is gonna be, by default, a much longer format than a movie. So there's either, you either have less time to fix it in post because of the time taken up by the show, or there's more things to fix in post, which takes more time and costs more money in the long run. Yeah. That's stupid that they thought they could make it work like that. Isn't it just? Mm. Jesus Christ. Uh, you know what? I'm going to skip a little bit of the DC news. Okay. Because this is going on and on. And uh, I'm going to skip to more DC news. <laughs> I'm not going to get into a bunch of this, because a lot of this has to do with the Amber Heard-Johnny Depp trials, and I I don't feel like touching that with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, I don't have it in me to even talk about that. Yeah, no. So, I'm gonna skip over all the aqua drama, but... <laughs> That's a good name for it, though. <laughs> in the Variety article... Thank you. In the I, I'm pretty sure I made it up. In the Variety... <laughs> In the Variety article detailing uh, some new details about what went on on the set of Aquaman, which we're not going to get into, mm -hmm. there was a little nugget which is which said that none of the stars cast by Zack Snyder for 2016's Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice and 2017's Justice League, including Ben Affleck, Henry Cable, Gal Gadot, Ezra Miller, and Momoa, will reprise their roles in the new DC Universe in character. Momoa may return, just not as Aquaman. Hmm. Yeah, as I say of all of them, I feel like... Jason Momoa would be the most likely to come back, so I'm kind yeah, of surprised no. he didn't make the cut. Make him somebody else. The man was born mm. to play Lobo. He'd be a much better Lobo than <laughs> The man is a is a natural-born bor shyster. <laughs> yeah, no, he'd be a great... Especially after Fast 10! Yeah. God fucking damn it! Just imagine him driving around on a motorcycle going, Oh, soups! <laughs> Oh, man, I love it. Anyways, obviously we knew Ben Affleck and Henry Cable were coming back, but Gal Gadot and Ezra Miller are a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I, I feel like... Okay, Ezra shouldn't be a surprise, but... <laughs> with how insistent the director of The Flash was that, oh, no, we're keeping Ezra, we're keeping Ezra. Mm -hmm. You know? And then the movie box office became a thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyways, I look forward to seeing who the new Justice League is going to be. Yeah, I definitely look forward to seeing what it looks like. This next one is a little something. Miramax has won the bidding war for television rights to the Halloween franchise. Is this good or is this bad? Well, a lot of people are speculating that this could result in trying to launch basically a Halloween universe of some kind, which is no. a stupid fucking thing. No, that's fucking dumb. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really not... Uh, like, a TV series seems like... What? What, what is that going to be? Yeah, I could see that working if it's an anthology series. In the sense of, like, having just different stories that 
are all based around Halloween, but different stories taking place with different people. So it's like the whole thing of like, there's a common thread, but not everything is the same story throughout. Well, but like all the Halloween movies have all been Michael Myers. So like, yeah, except for three, I think, I think three, cause like they wanted to do an anthology and then people got mad because no Michael Myers. So they were like, fine, here's all the Michael Myers you could possibly fucking want. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I'm just drowning in this Michael Myers. <laughs> I mean, if they ever want to try it again, I feel like a TV series would be the way to do it. Like have it be where it's stories of people who weren't in direct contact with Michael Myers, so people who were alive, <laughs> but were affected by things that happened in the continuity by proxy, if nothing else. I feel like that'll get old quick, though. Mm, fair. Anyways, the actual main reason I bring this up is that apparently one of the contenders, according to an insider with knowledge for the television rights, was A24, because apparently... <sighs> apparently A24 is looking to expand into action movies and big IP projects. You know what? I'm not completely surprised by this. Because in all honesty, like during this writer's strike and SAG after strikes, they've had a lot of movies like announced and trailers and all that like happen in those few months, I feel like. I wonder if it's a part of my brain is thinking that what it is is um someone probably went we do not have or make enough money to keep this kind of momentum train going so we need to do more things to stop our, so that we don't like fall completely off the rails. Yeah, I'm not surprised but I am disappointed. It is yeah, it's I feel like it's a little disappointing because for me it's <laughs> Financially and monetarily, it's it's a smart move. It's kind of the op- the obvious move, in all honesty. But the thing that made A twenty four so appealing is that it was kind of like the artsy fartsy quality brother that is still relatively accessible. Yeah, it's the shit that you didn't know you wanted until they announced it. Yeah, and they also their their name with it being carried also had a lot of weight with it too. Because if you see A twenty four, then you know you're getting some really quality but really weird shit that is generally speaking still worth watching yeah and i mean to be fair if they take the same auteur driven approach to action movies and big ip projects that's fine and in fact that would actually be really nice especially like if you could get them something relatively notable but that doesn't have to be part of a bigger universe so it doesn't have to be totally consistent with other stuff you could get some really great stuff out of this yeah but it's troubling Hold on, because I just thought of it as well. Did they do War Dogs? No, they did not do War Dogs. Never Even mind. if they did, I wouldn't call War Dogs action-oriented. Eh, I mean, fair. <laughs> I mean, there, there's there's explosions in it, but it's not really an action movie. That's fair. I was thinking more of a kind of sense of, like, oddball action-adjacent movie. Mm. Not that it matters, they didn't do it. Yeah, fair. <laughs> And I guess the the real thing is, like, if, if A24 can't make the auteur-driven indie movie scene work, then who can? And how long how long will it be before, like, if this works out for them and they start making more money with the big IP projects, is it only a matter of time before they start taking the same approach as all the other studios? Where, yeah, maybe we'll make some here or there if somebody with enough clout comes along, but uh, that's not where the money is. Mm, I hope not. And I can't, I can't really blame them for going that way because, like, 
It does make sense. It's the movie business, not the movie yeah. funness. Yeah, unfortunately. So that's that's sad. Mm. Uh, let's get to the writer strike real quick. <laughs> or is it just the actor strike now? You're right. It is the actor strike. Jesus, I'm so used to saying writer strike. Do 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 do. Pay your fucking actors. Anyway, talks broke down. No, no surprises there. Unfortunately, I'm a little <laughs> surprised and, a, and disappointed. Mm. Union negotiators said that they had negotiated in good faith with the studios, despite the fact that last week they presented an offer that was shockingly worth less than they proposed before the strike began. <laughs> it is with profound disappointment that we report the industry CEOs have walked away from the bargaining table after refusing to counter our latest offer. Uh, the AMPTP <laughs> is going, uh, yeah, no, actually we offered this stuff, so it's it's kind of turning into they, they said, they said. Okay. One of the main issues of contention is that SAG-AFTRA wanted a share of streaming revenue delivered as a bonus to cast members, totaling out to roughly like 2% or something. Okay. The AMPTP said the proposal would cost more than $800 million per year, which would create an untenable untenable economic burden. SAG-AFTRA said as a counter that the AMPTP had overstated the cost by 60%. (laughs) As I say, like, I know Hollywood is big business, but that that $800 a year, that seems... That seems a little optimistic. <laughs> yeah, and also, um, I want to point out, a lot of studios are owned by bigger corporations that have plenty of other side hustles going on. That, that also make, like, literally, from those side hustles, hundreds of billions of dollars a year. Yeah. Honestly, for a lot of those corporations, the movies are the side hustle. Yeah. So, just pay your fucking actors. <laughs> yeah, just pay your fucking actors what they're worth. Who knows? Maybe maybe it is possible SAG-AFTRA is yanking them around for audience support, but you know what? I am going to come down to the side that's not a big, giant fucking corporation. Thank you very much. Yeah, so, yeah um, pretty much. Yeah, and if you want me to stop doing that, corporations, uh, pay me. <laughs> pay us. Pay both of us, yes. I'm kidding, I wouldn't take it. Yeah, same. <laughs> well, it, 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 I mean, if it, 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 shoot me like six digits and we'll talk. <laughs> They won't. Yeah, no. Because they're cowards. <laughs> <laughs> they are afraid of our ever-growing reach. They are afraid of our influence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're afraid of our 70-subscriber-wide influence. <laughs> hey! But thank you, 70-subscribers. Yeah, thank A you so much applause. for listening. And if you're listening and not subscribed, please do. And <laughs> like your comment. It means a lot. Yes. Indeed. Oh, man. Uh, let's go to trailer time. Let's do trailer time. It's trailer time again. We've got movie previews to watch. It's trailer time again. So you know what? Now that now that I've tentatively decided to cut what we were talking about before, let's talk the Werewolf by Night now in color trailer. Hmm. I'm a little disappointed, I'll admit. It's... You know what? It's funny. I feel like... On one hand, because remember I was talking about it when it was announced, I said it's like, I feel like that's not a good idea because it loses its character. But on the other hand, I was kind of looking forward to see what looks like all colored out. And then I watched the trailer and was like, no, I still feel like it loses a good bit of character. Yeah, there. I was expecting it to be more vibrant. Like, this just seems like, okay, we didn't put the black and white filter on it. Instead of, what I was hoping for was like, they were going to like, digitally alter the colors and make them real vibrant and, like, 
almost, not quite neon, not quite pastel, but somewhere like that, you know, where, like, Elsa's mm-hmm. jacket would be, like, a really bright orange. Right. And just do stuff like that. Like, just really make it pop. And instead, it just looks like a regular Marvel movie with a grain filter over it. Yeah, and the grain filter also makes the color, which I know this is kind of the job of the grain filter, amongst other things, but it does make those colors a lot more muted than they already were. Right, and it's like, they don't need the help being muted. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So, I'll, I mean, I'll still, I'll still watch it, because I'll take any fucking excuse to watch Werewolf by Night. I don't need a goddamn excuse. I'll watch Werewolf by Night anytime I goddamn please. I'll watch Werewolf by Night on Valentine's Day. I'll watch Werewolf by Night on Fourth of July. I'll watch Werewolf by Night on goddamn Thanksgiving. Mm. <laughs> it's like, you go, you want any stuffing? I'm watching Werewolf by Night. Yes. Man, man, that would be... I feel like that would be the ultimate thing if you actually ha- did watch Werewolf by Night on Valentine's Day with a date. And she was like, yeah, let's watch it too. I would probably, like, drive my car into your house and be like, marry her. Marry her, Cody! Like, you know it's what? not if, gonna get any better than this! You know <laughs> if, if a hypothetical date of mine is not willing to watch Werewolf by Night on Valentine's Day, they're not the kind of person I want to associate with. <laughs> it's it's literally less than an hour of your day. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, no, uh, Santa will come down the chimney, or through the front door, or however he gets in in our house, and I will be sitting in front of the tree at two in the morning watching Werewolf by Night, and he'll be like, <laughs> uh, what do you, shh. Do, do you, would be like, do you want to watch with me? <laughs> <laughs> either, either sit down and watch, or put the presents down and leave. Yeah, Cookie, for real. Cookies are over there. <laughs> cookies are over there. <laughs> uh, open invitation, Santa, if you want. We also got a trailer, and I and I hesitated to put this on here because I don't have Apple TV and I don't plan to get it. But Monarch Legacy of Monsters looks really damn good. It does look really good. That is fucking, that is how you do a movie quality TV show. Yes. Just, I can't follow what's going on, which apparently this spans <laughs> over a few generations, so that makes sense. Right. But I like the idea of following this organization that follows monsters just like oh yeah it's not about the titans it's about the people who are trying to like study and maybe not contain but like minimize the damage by them right also kurt russell's in it yeah that that uh that caught me a little off guard i'm not gonna lie (laughs) i was not expecting kurt russell Yeah, no, that was cool. To, that it was cool to see him. Just like, oh, you're you're here. Uh, that's that's actually pretty neat. <laughs> Just unexpected, but still pretty neat. No, I thought it looked cool. Um, the whole multi generation thing makes it. The vibe I got from it is that it's one person or one generation who's trying to investigate Monarch. And just, like, kind of their adventures and all the roadblocks they face and all that, too. It wouldn't surprise me if we got some flashbacks, though, based on mm, the summary. Fair. Right. Also, Godzilla's looking nice. See, Godzilla looks cool. That The scene with Godzilla coming out was very go- good and had a very good overall color palette to it as well. I think I missed the first teaser for this because, again, Apple TV wasn't really planning on trying to watch it. But I didn't. I didn't think he was going to show up. Right. <laughs> I figured we'd get, like, you know, uh, not Zilla or something. Not Zilla? <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, you, you know what, uh, you know what Toho called the American Godzilla from the 1999 one? 
Mm. They call them Zilla because the god is gone. Okay, fair. I love it. What what absolute shade? Looking in, looking a bit more into this, Kurt Russell plays a character named Lee Shaw, but his son Wyatt is playing the younger version of him. Oh, U.S. agent himself, huh? Y- yeah, it's like that's actually kind of neat. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Yeah. All right, I might. I uh, who knows? M- maybe I'll get Apple TV or something. I don't know. <laughs> I hesitate to say I'm gonna get a, a streaming service for just one show, but like. If I was gonna, it'd be this. Right. I do like me some Godzilla movies. And then, we get, we, we got a second trailer for Wonka. I'm honestly surprised that you included this in here, because well, I remember how much you didn't care for the first one. And I still hate Timothy Chalamet as Wonka, which is nothing against him as an actor, he's tremendous, but god fucking damn it, he's so unconvincing as Willy Wonka. Mm. And also, I think this whole concept is inane and depraved, but I'll admit... <laughs> Hugh Grant's kind of win it, kind of sell me on it. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Between Hugh Grant and the, the the chocolate cartel talking about like anybody can afford his chocolates, even the poor. <clears throat> he doesn't like it when people. He doesn't like it when anyone says poor. <clears throat> <laughs> but no, Hugh Grant is the Oompa Loompa. Is like the only reason I want to see this definitively. Right. Just for especially the bit at the end where. All right, something is clearly on your mind. Tell me what it is right now, or I shall start poking you with this cocktail stick. <laughs> See, what I was thinking with that bit is that it was a thing of like, okay, I feel like this is a bit where everything about this sucked up until that last bit, where you're just like, okay, tell me what's going on, or I will actually kill you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that like, Hugh Grant, that rascally bastard, He, I, I will watch it for Hugh Grant. Hmm. And I will hate every goddamn second of it where he's not on screen. Right. And probably some points where he is on screen. It's just, why? Why do we need a Wonka prequel? And and why does Timothy Chalamet feel like he's doing a kid show host version of Willy Wonka? Yeah, that's kind of weird, because I'm, I'm seeing it, it's just like, this is really colorful and all of it. Willy Wonka does actually kind of get a bit dark at times. <laughs> yeah, Wonka is dark and sardonic, and only like... Kind of occasionally cheerful and whimsical. Like, it's whimsy, but it's dark whimsy. It's it's, it's kind dar- of fucked up whimsy. It's dark sea. <laughs> I'm I'm patenting this term. It's kind of fucked up whimsy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess we'll see in December how no, this goes. Fair. Right. And then this one I just added tonight because I didn't realize it was out until now. But we ha- we 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 got a teaser for Has Been Hotel. Yes, we did. Coming to and Prime it's... Video January 2024. Yeah, and it's a freaking Disney sing-along musical parody with just the most depraved shit going on in the background, and it's pretty great. And the foreground. <laughs> and the foreground, too. <laughs> Alright, just please don't sing at them. Ah, oh, that bitch is halfway down the street. <laughs> is she dancing? Oh, yeah, she's dancing. Oh, God, that was that was pretty great. No, that's a good like... song. Yeah, and it's just like, why does this feel like a... And then just the scenes of hell being hell start growing. It's like, alright, that's right. I'm remembering why this is so good the first time. <laughs> I'm glad to see that the animation style still seems consistent. Yeah. It's maybe a little less... Frenetic. You know, a little less... It's a little more fluid. Which is to be expected with a higher budget. But I feel I also feel like a lot of that, like, occasional snap was 
part of the charm. Right. But, no, this looks good. I am sad to say, uh, apparently, all the character, all the, all the voice actors were replaced from the pilot. Ah, uh, unfortunate. Yeah, we now have uh, Erica Henningsen as Charlie, Stephanie Beatrice as Vaggie, Alex Brightman as Serpentius, Keith David as Husk. <laughs> which, okay, okay, I'm disappointed by the loss of everybody, but Keith David as Husk goes a long way. Yeah, that that does a lot more to bring me back in, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, Kimiko Glenn is Nifty, Blake Roman is Angel Dust, and I'm not familiar with a lot of these actors. Obviously, I know Stephanie Beatrice is known for Brooklyn Nine-Nine and also being Mirabelle Madrigal in Encanto. Mm -hmm. But uh, I will say Angel Dust kind of sounded like a downgrade. Fair. Mike, Michael Kovac did a great job in the pilot, and it's a real shame that they couldn't keep him on for this one. Um, right. Even Alistair has been replaced with Amir Talai, who, just knowing that they didn't get Ed Bosco had me very sad, but apparently a video has been circulating of the new voice actor singing You're Never Fully Dressed Without a Smile as part of an, a production of Annie. Huh. And it okay. was spot on. Like, it, if he keeps that inflection for Alistair, Alistair's in good hands. So, okay. I am, uh, I'm a little sad. Right. But I'm also happy to be getting more of this because it does still feel very much like what we saw in the pilot. Yeah, no, it's definitely the same tone, the same very depraved and very fucked up tone. Yeah. <laughs> Wonka-esque. Like, yeah, complete unhinged Wonka-ness. R-rated Wonka-esque. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's like if Willy Wonka went on a violent, murderous bender... And then ended up in hell because of it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly it. <laughs> Looking forward to this in January. I needed that. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm just glad. I'm glad to have updates, even if it does sting a little bit that they replaced everybody. Mm-hmm. And it also makes them. You think you could buy me the wickets of cheap booze? Well, you can call back nice. <laughs> yeah, right. What you think you could buy me the wickets of Keith David? Well, you can. Because you can. <laughs> you can. You can with both of us. <laughs> Let's go to box office. Alrighty. I don't think you're going to be surprised to hear what took the number one spot this weekend. Is it Taylor Swift? It is, in fact, Taylor Swift. Oh, boy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the movie theater industry is alive and thriving. Cinema might be in a little trouble. <laughs> yeah! And I real. don't mean that as a dig against Taylor Swift, because I have nothing against her or her music or her fans. Mm -hmm. Just that, that I, don't, I, I feel like that's not a movie. No, it's not a movie. That's that's just a that's just a taping of a concert being shown in a movie theater. Maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe they mix it up and does some behind the scenes stuff, but it doesn't feel like a movie. Right. Who knows? Maybe I'll watch it at some point and I'll have a profound life changing realization that I doubt it. <laughs> oh, so it'll be like my experience with Ace Combat then. <laughs> oh boy. So it took in ninety two point eight million dollars domestically this weekend and in total for a one hundred twenty three point five million dollar worldwide total, and I suspect it will probably keep kicking ass for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that's fucking huge. You think that's big? Why do you hear how far behind second place is? Alrighty. Second place is the Exorcist Believer at ten point nine million dollars <laughs> domestically. Man, that CNBC article was right. <laughs> yeah. $44.9 million domestic total and $85.2 million worldwide, but that is against a $30 million budget, so... Okay, so it has started making a profit, then. 
yeah, it's doing pretty alright, and will probably continue to be pretty alright, which is a damn shame, but I'll get into that a little bit in a moment. Uh, fair. Third place, it is Paw Patrol the Mighty Movie. Okay. $6.8 million domestic weekend, $49.7 million domestic total, and $126.2 million worldwide against a $30 million budget. We already knew that was making a shit ton. Right. At least compared to budget. Right, yeah. Also doing well, Saw 10. $5.6 million domestic weekend, $41.4 million domestic total, and $71.3 million worldwide against a $13 million budget. Oof. Yeah, they're they're definitely rolling in it. Yep. Which means probably more Saw movies still. I can't really judge because I didn't see this one, but I have seen four of them, and I feel like that's enough to judge when I say I don't necessarily want more of these. Yeah, fair. And in fifth place, The Creator. $4.3 million domestic weekend, $32.4 million domestic total, and $79.4 million worldwide. I guess an $80 million budget, so it's going to at least make its production budget back. Marketing remains to be seen. Yeah. But I feel like this movie wasn't super heavily marketed anyway, so maybe it'll... Who knows? Home sales yeah. will probably help. I doubt it's making a profit in theaters. Right. So... We didn't actually see a movie this weekend that was in theaters. Yeah. But before we get into what we did instead, I'm going to uh, I'm going to talk real quick. I'm not going to do a big summary like I did last week before all my audio got eaten up because my laptop decided it no longer wanted to work. Mm. I saw When Evil Lurks and The Exorcist Believer last weekend. Uh, when Evil Lurks being a 2023 Argentine horror film. And The Exorcist Believer being, well, it's the sixth Exorcist movie. This one directed by David Gordon Green of Halloween, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Finally Comes to a Slow, Painful End <laughs> Fame. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, so, okay, when it comes to horror, I've, I came to a couple realizations last week when we were talking about it. One is that when it comes to horror movies in particular... I am a very lenient grader on the pass-fail scale, but I do not hand out A's very often. Right. When Evil Lurks is an A. Okay. It is a, basically, it's, it's, it's sort of a demonic possession movie. Uh, it's in a world, it's set in a world where these beings called Rotten exist, where they're possessed by, where people are possessed by unborn demons, and all kinds of bad things happen, and there's rules you have to follow on how to deal with them, but the cleaner, which is what the... They're not called exorcists anymore because religion has sort of been abandoned. But uh, they're <laughs> called cleaners, and the cleaner that was supposed to show up is dead. And the brothers uh, try to deal with it themselves with the help of a neighbor. Things go wrong, and they keep trying to fix it. And uh, you know what? It's a it's a gruesome, uncomfortable fucking movie. Mm -hmm. It is uh, very visceral and unpleasant. But... It leaves that sinking in your gut feeling pretty much the whole time. And there's okay. a very prominent theme of maybe it's the world that's rotten. Maybe it's just everything sucks, and no matter what you do to fix it, it's all just going to get worse. And I don't mean to say that from like a disheartening perspective. It just seems to be what the movie's kind of going for. And yet somehow it kind of resonates. So you think that's this movie's allegory, like how a lot of horror movies will usually be referencing something else, like how Talk to Me is about drug abuse and all that. It's just the world is bad for for this one. Yeah, the world is bad. We made it get that way. And 
on an individual level, we're not going to fix it. I don't know mm. if there is a way to fix it. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, this was, uh, like I said, uh, very uncomfortable. I cannot stress that enough. Uh, some very violent actions happen in this movie. So to that end, yes. if you're squeamish, uh, I, I would not recommend seeing it. But otherwise, 100% recommend. Like I said, a movie. I had a really good time. I feel like that this is another revelation I had talking about it with you last week. I feel like the mark of a really good horror movie is, or at least a, re- a really like, what what was the what was the differentiator I had? A really great, profound horror movie. I, I don't want to say profound, but the difference between a really good horror movie and a really good popcorn horror movie, right? Is that a really good horror movie should make you hesitant to watch it again? Yeah. Like Hereditary. Yeah, like for me, Hereditary, where it's the thing of like, this is genuinely a very good movie, but I have zero desire to watch it a second time. (laughs) Honestly, you know what? Nope. Similar thing. I'll watch it again Mm. at some point, but there are scenes in that where it's like, I... No. No, I don't think I will. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Uh -uh. (laughs) Nope to I don't want that. Yeah, no, that's that's the real thing. Like, uh, uh, and I don't want to discount like slashers or anything like that because those those can still be good. But I feel right. like you're more likely to put on a slasher over and over again, or even like a bad horror movie, like um, I don't know, uh, The Bye Bye Man. <laughs> Fair. Whereas when it's a really good one, that sense of horror and dread kind of sticks with you, and it makes you hesitant to put it back on because you have to be in the mood. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at with that's where I'm at with this one, and it doesn't seem like it's doing too well. Box office currently three hundred sixty three thousand, apparently, which I don't know what the budget is, but that's not great. No, no, it is not. <laughs> no. Oh, I could see the subtitles this time. Thank God. It's just, that was worth the price of admission alone. Yeah, I mean, I have Regal Unlimited, so I didn't have to pay for it at all. But <laughs> if I had had to pay for price of admission, it would have been worth the price of admission. <laughs> just to be able to read those goddamn subtitles this time, unlike it lives inside. Right. Oh, man. Anyways, The Exodus Believer, it kind of fucking sucks. <laughs> right. It is, like I said, I, I'm I'm a very lenient pass-fail horror grader. This is a pass, but if When Evil Lurks is an A, this is a, this is a C minus D plus. Mm. This is... It feels like it's going for the same kind of slow burn as The Exorcist, but because it's splitting itself between two families, and also because this is now the sixth Exorcist movie, Mm -hmm. the slow burn doesn't really work that well. Yeah, no. Where you just kind of want them to drop the ambiguity and kind of just get to the whole point of it. Yeah, it's just like, no, please get get on with it. Just, I, I, I know we talked about it, but I'm glad both of our predicted tropes did not plan out <laughs> yeah no we, we, we were wrong on both counts of what was expected thank god <laughs> they brought back ellen burston as chris mcneil uh the mother of bridget regan from the first one and uh she's barely in it she's just it's not like in halloween when they brought back laurie strode and she's built up to be a central thing chris mcneil's just kind of there to like remind you that this is an exorcist movie that this isn't just mm. a demonic possession movie. That oh no, this is an exorcist movie. Yeah, yeah it's like we're special. We have her. <laughs> and she just kind of fucks off for the third act, and then gets an emotional conclusion at the end, which kind of ruins the 
this movie, for, for a movie that already had two sequels pre-approved, it was in a really big hurry to wrap everything up at the end. Right. So I don't understand what the fucking point of these two sequels is going to be. And considering that this is the same director who did the Halloween trilogy that just wrapped up last year, mm. I'm inclined to think it's all downhill from here. So if this movie was already mediocre, the two sequels are going to be god-awful. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. devil awful. Devil. <laughs> God played a trick on you indeed. Indeed. There's also, God, it's infuriating. There's a weird mishmash of religious techniques to do exorcisms in this movie, and it's never dwelled on what that means. Yeah, like, no one ever goes, it's like, hey, all these, we have all these religious things, and none of them are working. Should we probably, like, examine that? <laughs> they go, by your powers combined, I'm Captain Religion. <laughs> and they, uh. they, they never examine the implications of that. Mm. Is the fucked up part. Where it's like, okay, so w one one aspect in certain settings that I find fascinating is in uh, Stephen King's Salem's Lot, for example. Mm-hmm. It's brought up, I think it was in Salem's Lot, it might have been something else, uh, in, in certain vampire fictions. It doesn't have to be a crucifix that repels vampires. Uh, in certain settings, any symbol of faith will do so long as you actually believe in it. Okay. Where functionally it is the power of your belief in the thing that gives it power and not the religion behind it. Right. And I feel like that's what's going on here, but nobody ever stops and like, thinks about that, and also what does that mean when it's against... If if Catholicism is not necessarily the be-all, end-all of exorcisms, where do demons come from? Hmm. What does that mean? What is their origin point? If if other religions are equally effective at combating them? Uh, maybe maybe the demons come from a I, I have been bested by religion support group. Huh. And they're just like, all right, guys, we had a great meeting. Let's all go kick some fucking asses or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, this is not great. I mean, like I said, it's not... I won't say don't go see it, but there's better things to see. And not just when right. evil lurks. I mean, you could just stay home and watch a better horror movie. Yeah. Like Friday the 13th. Oh, I was going to say like the original Exorcist, but excellent transition. No. <laughs> okay, so... I was going to say, it's like I was a little hesitant with that transition. No, I liked it. <laughs> well done. The awkward hesitance just made it also work. Yeah, fair. So the, the, the interesting thing here is uh, because there wasn't really anything that came out other than... Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour, which, again, nothing against it, just not really a movie and not really something I'm qualified to talk about because I don't listen to Taylor Swift music or have an opinion on her one way or the other. Right. And also because, like, you hear some of the stories about people freaking out in the theaters, like, stomping along to this, and it's just like, I don't need that experience. Yeah, that just sounds miserable. Right? Like, it would be... <laughs> and then people are trying to equate it to people cheering when... when Cat picked up Thor's hammer. It's like, mm, no, that's that's different. That was literally an edge case. Like, and also, yeah. there's a difference between cheering at one particular moment in a movie and getting up and dancing around because a song that you like is being played. <laughs> Thinks back to the old couple who who started jamming to No Vaseline when I went to see Straight Out of Compton <laughs> in the theater. It's my favorite nice. movie experience ever. It's like. The scene in the No Vaseline where Ice Cube puts out his diss track um, against NWA, and freaking, I look down, and there is the 
only white couple in this theater, by the way. <laughs> a old elderly white couple just jamming out to no Vaseline and I see some like, ah, y'all are my favorites. Nice. <laughs> you are my favorite people right now. <laughs> so with it being the weekend Friday the 13th, we decided to watch the original Friday the 13th, directed mm-hmm. by Sean Cunningham, and starring Betsy Palmer, Adrian King, Harry Crosby, Laurie Bartram, Mark Nelson, Janine Taylor, Robbie Morgan, and Kevin Bacon. <laughs> oh, that's right. He is in this. Kevin Bacon was Jack. The one who... I think Jack was the one who... I, I assume we don't care about spoiler discussion or not, because this is a... No, not This enough. is a 43-year-old movie, so you know what? If you don't want to get spoiled on our thoughts on Friday the 13th, this 43-year-old movie... <laughs> click away <laughs> in 3, 2, 1... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Jack. I, I think Jack's the one who got stabbed through the bed. That was the coldest shit. <laughs> I very uncomfortable. I like. I don't want to say I love that, but that was. I felt like that was the most creative kill in the movie. Yeah. Where? Yeah, it's just like hold him by his head, stab him through the bottom of the neck, um, and all that. I was just like, oh, that's some cold shit. <laughs> that also, is ice fair, cold. To What's be fair, that? a lot of the kills are off-screen. Yeah, no, that's one of the... I think that's, like, one of two that you actually see. Because I want to say... I kind of count the girl getting the axe in the head as being on-screen. Yeah. Because even though, even though we don't see the axe actually make impact with her with her head... Okay, actually, one of three. Um, We see very much the gory aftermath. Because there's that, and also Pamela Voorhees because this is the beginning of Jason, getting her head chopped off. <laughs> it's not even the beginning of Jason, really. I mean, it's interesting how, for as much as Jason has become the face of Friday the 13th as the franchise, this movie, mm-hmm. there there are points where I just totally forgot what I was watching. You know what? That's fair. Because, full disclosure, until this week, I had never seen Friday the 13th. Oh, I thought you had. No, I'd never seen it before. Oh, I thought you had, and you wanted to rewatch it just to talk, talk more about it in depth. No, it's a. I I watched it twice this weekend because the first time I was only kind of paying attention. But uh, mm. no, it's a blind spot in my in my horror movie trifecta because I've seen the original Halloween and I've seen the original Nightmare on Elm Street, but I've never seen Friday the Thirteenth. And at a lot of point, uh, unlike Friday the or unlike Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween. This feels so disconnected from what it would become, in the sense of, mm-hmm. obviously, Jason's not the killer, it's his mother, which, you know, I'd say spoilers, but also, the, the original Scream spoiled that one, so... Right. <laughs> ten years later, so good fucking yeah. luck. But, no, it's interesting, because it just, it it, it feels radically different. Right. It, it, it was really funny, because there was a point when, uh... When Betsy Palmer shows up and introduces herself as Mrs. Voorhees, I was like, oh shit, that's right! <laughs> <laughs> that's what this is! You know what, honestly, when she mentioned her son drowning, it's like, yeah, my son, Jason, is like, oh shit, that's right! <laughs> that is what this is! Oh, okay. Yeah. No, there's, you just kind of gotta remind yourself, because it's just so far removed from what we associate with the Friday the 13th franchise. But it's it's not bad. Oh yeah, no. Honestly, the kills are pretty creative. The kills are pretty creative. 
By which like, I mean the framing is creative. Like the, it's interesting that you don't see a lot of them. Yeah, the movie does a good job of like keeping tension in a lot of places and kind of reaffirming. With Jack's kill in particular, that was an interesting one, not just because of how cold it was, because I also realized after he had died, it's like, wow, that was the first time in a hot, mi- like in a decent amount of time with this movie where I actually got comfortable. Because right before he's killed, it is just a long shot of him in the bed, just like lighting a cigarette, just chilling out. And then all of a sudden you see the hand come up, he looks shocked, and you see the arrow come through his neck. So it's like, whew, and it's like, Fuck, that's right. This is that kind of movie. <laughs> Although it's also a little cheesy because Okay, so Mrs. Voorhees is the killer in this one. Mm-hmm. But like how did she manage to do stuff like that? Yeah, that was that was kind of a thing I was thinking was like, wait, but how did you do all of this? Like how do you have the exact same Jeep as the camp counselor? How did you manage killing, like, half of these people, in all honesty, without them really realizing who you are? Or at least, I don't know. Like, I'm assuming at some point she was, like, either masked up or some kind of, in some kind of disguise. Which, is, which makes it even weirder that, like, because you, you assume that part of the reason they don't show much of the kills is, A, to preserve the mystery and the reveal that it's Mrs. Voorhees. Mm-hmm. And also so you don't think so much about, wait, how is how is a little old lady doing this? Yeah. But uh, you still have the question. Right. Well, I should say a little old, because she's not that old. No, no, not at all. But considering the counselor she's up against, you'd think, like, they'd have a much better shot. <laughs> even, even the first kill's a little weird, where uh, Annie jumps out of the car, which isn't moving all that fast. Yeah. And she lands on her head? Like, she she, it, she she tucks into a roll, but then she's running like she injured her leg. Yeah. Yeah, that one was a little... Eh? I shouldn't judge too uh, hard. It's an 80s slasher movie. Yeah, like, literally, like, as in, like, fresh 80s. This movie came out in 1980. This is borderline 70s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God, what else was there? So, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I laughed a little bit during, like, the final showdown between uh, um, Alice and Pamela, especially during the bit where they're in, like, the office with, like, the guns and all that, and they yep. just start slapping each other, <laughs> and I couldn't help but think of Edna in Incredibles being like, you Pull are Alice. Together. You are Alice. Pull yourself together! <laughs> <laughs> um... I kind of I caught myself doing the thing like you know the annoying thing of like people saying it's like no do this thing during a horror movie. Yep. I I caught myself doing that um again during that last bit especially when Alice is just trying to escape from Pamela and I'm like all right now steal her fucking jeep and she goes to the jeep and finds more bodies in it and starts freaking out I was like no no you should still steal steal that fucking jeep <laughs> jeep anyway <laughs> like if anything just toss her body out of like open the other the passenger door and toss their body out but yeah you should still take the damn jeep it runs <laughs> um so yeah i started catching myself and also doing the whole thing of like trying to predict like when people would get murdered mm. partially because i feel like the movie very much telegraphed who whose time it was next every oh time. yeah most of them were pretty well telegraphed mm-hmm. 
Brenda's was pretty awful in terms of setup. Oh, Christ. Which one? She's the one who she got was... lured out in the rain by the little boy saying help. And we oh, don't yeah. see how she dies, just like the spotlights and shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that was... Yeah, that was that was a horrible one because that's one of those ones where it's like, it's one thing if you have like a really gory scene or at least show the end of the really gory scene. It's something else, and I imagine especially if you're a creative person, where the movie's like, we're just gonna leave it up to your imagination. I think it flying to the window as a as a corpse. Yeah, which was also, man, it's unfortunate because. As how did they do that? that? How did how did yeah. people do that? Yeah, and it's also a thing of, like, that was kind of terrifying, but it was it was more silly than terrifying. So it was one of those ones where it's just like, okay, that one I can't take as seriously, unfortunately. I agree. Still keeping the trope alive of people go- having sex at summer camp. I feel like this is probably one of the originators? Yeah, you know what? I wouldn't be shocked. Certainly yeah, for slasher not... movies. Mm, right. Talking about the whole thing of like whoever's time is next being telegraphed when Ned sees someone in that sh- in that house and it's like hello, it's like why are you going to the house and I'm like can I help you? It's like yeah, you can get the fuck off my stoop. <laughs> I thought that was just one of the cabins. Was it one of the cabins? I'm pretty sure. Oh, I thought it, I thought it was like somebody's house who was just next to the campsite. No, I'm pretty sure. I don't think anybody's house would be next to the campsite. Oh, okay. Okay, then that makes more sense, because I thought it was a thing where he just, like, saw a person was like, you know what, I'm just gonna go on this person's property. He's like, yeah, then you kind of deserve to die. <laughs> you know what, I know, I know it's 80 sensibilities, but I'm also gonna say I'm glad Ned's dead. Oh, how so? Uh, between that one arrow bit, and the, uh, pretending to be drowning in order to, in order to make out with somebody. Oh, <laughs> Not cool, man. No. He, Especially he... not the arrow one, that is some terrible bow discipline. Yes. Was he the one that also did, like, the whole American Indian thing when the cop showed up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was also him, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's like, you know what, in all honesty, like, when I first, I think I talked to you about to you about this a little bit, when I first, like, watched this movie for the first half I did, I was like, yeah, I wasn't expecting to have a that's racist moment in this movie. Yep. <laughs> it's an 80s slasher, you should've. Fair. You should've known. <laughs> Obvious. Mm. I had a good time with this. Yeah, no, I had a good time. I'll be honest, it was kind of cool doing this, because it was nice to have a different change of pace of just sitting at home and watching a movie and talking about it than scrambling to go to the theater. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if we get more slow weekends, we'll do this again at some point. Oh, yeah. Or if they start spacing Uh, out the releases more because the actors are still on strike. Yeah. That was part of why I wanted to do this was as a testing the pivot strategy, and I think it's working decently well. Yeah. To that end as well, if you haven't seen Friday the 13th, what the fuck is wrong with you? This is an institution for horror. (laughs) I mean, we didn't see it. They don't need to think about that. (laughs) We just admitted it like 10 minutes ago. (laughs) I'm not aiming to be that phony. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) That's fair. Nah, I'd say it's worth it. Um, yeah, no, this is this is genuinely this is genuinely a good time. Now it's time to go watch a bunch of the sequels. Yeah, I, you know what? I don't. I'm not sure if I have that. <laughs> Man, that's just the silliest shit. I don't know if I have that in me. <laughs> oh, I don't blame you. I'm not sure I do either. Mm. In any case, 
Thanks so much for listening, everybody. If you haven't in the middle when we asked, uh, please like, comment, subscribe, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, Indeed. Google Podcasts, whatever you want to do. You don't have to do any of it. We do have It Came From Under the Bridge, Under the Hood Edition, on October 29th <laughs> at Unlimited Video Games at 8 p.m., and yes, uh, we're going to be back-to-backing two car-themed horror movies to coincide with the Trunk or Treat going on that same evening. The movies mm-hmm. are being kept secret, but it will be a uh, engine-revving good time. It'll be... I lost my car pun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to hit the brakes? Uh, Shift in a high gear, pr- man. No, are you proud of yourself? Now I'm getting a little tired of this. So next week, <laughs> <laughs> uh, next week we've got two options. It looks like uh, one of which is Killers of the Flower Moon, mm-hmm. which would be the easy one despite being three hours long. But uh, also Butcher's Crossing is apparently out that same weekend. When does the Five Nights at Freddy movie come out again? That is the week after. Okay. So yeah. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens there. In the meantime, this has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And we'll catch you guys next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye!